All right, welcome back to A3's The Academy Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Beckwith. Um, here with Coach AJ. Reggie Bolton. I'm the athletic director at Bakersfield College. Our Todd Littlejohn, head football coach at Bakersfield College. So we got, obviously, two special guests. Some of you guys remember Coach Bolton already. But we're going to jump into this thing quick because, you know, it's it, this whole situation that we've gone through in the last year has been extremely difficult, trying to figure out what and why and who and where. And there's been growth over the last couple of years that we were just talking about in the football community of, you know, when you look at other sports, the soccer's, the volleyballs, the basketballs, the tracks, there's always been some sort of AAU or club or national team type thing that everybody was trying to get their hands on and, and covet those positions. And what we've seen over the last couple of years, or maybe 10 years, I guess, coach, is the seven on seven circuit really jumping up. And while that is great for the kids to have something to do in the off season, it kind of gives them a chance to get the X's and O's of football and, and things of that nature, at least for the skill position guys. Uh, we are seeing some trends that, that can be a little troubling when we start looking at the fact that, you know, for example, in my passion, no one's running track anymore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, when we start looking at overall athleticism and, and what you can do on the field, just like Coach AJ and I talked about a couple podcasts ago of your numbers can be fantastic, but you still got to be able to play football or soccer or volleyball or you name it, insert sport. You still have to be able to play and compete and perform. And so that's really where we want to take the conversation today as we're preparing for our first combine here. We'll get into that later. Um, you know, really discussing from a coach's perspective, from an athletic director's perspective, what are we looking for here? What, what are those attributes outside of, hey, you're just a really good football player or, hey, I saw your numbers from this combine. That's all well and good. But where does that conversation go, coach? Well, you know, when I think about it, um, you always appreciate the fact that kids do want to compete, Yes. you know, bottom line, because unfortunately you just don't see, you know, young men and young women uh, playing in the street anymore. I mean, I grew up playing in the street like all the time. And with, you know, growing up in a neighborhood with 21 other guys, we played every Sunday. We played after every BC game we would play on the, I mean, we, we literally played, Every sport, actually, you know, when you think about uh, the eight-foot courts back when we were younger and then growing to the nine- and ten-foot courts to wiffle ball to we just continued to compete to develop ourselves, obviously, at that time um, and then be able to parlay that into the various sports that we play. The downside of it, though, I think now, unfortunately, is you have so many uneducated people <laughs> that will stick their hands in everything. And, and uh, obviously recruiting has, has, uh, has risen tremendously. And so you have, and everyone's heard the terms of street agents and things like that. So it's been man manipulated in the wrong way, yeah. unfortunately. And I think a lot of athletes have been used as a result of that. And, uh, and then who knows where their career and their development will go versus those like yourselves who actually know, take the time to do research, learn, to do it the right way as opposed to the wrong way. And I, you know, I appreciate that. And, you know, to dive even deeper into that, when, when you say uneducated, I know what you mean. We all know what you mean. Some people might, what does that mean? <laughs> you know. Right, so right, I, right. just to clarify and tell me to shut up if I'm wrong, but really it's, it's the experience, right? It, it's not only the educational side of it of, right. you know, do you understand movement? Do you understand power and speed and all those things that are important for a football player? But it's also, 
do you actually understand the process that it takes to get here and commit to being here? And that's the thing that we, you know, we really want to jump into today. And with AJ's experience playing at the professional level, you know, it, it is so much more than your ability. And we say it a lot here is the higher level you go in competition, the less your physical skills matter. Very true. You know, Very true. everybody is that good at that point. Everybody. Every freshman that walks onto campus was an all-star, an all-state, a five-star, a whatever star. All those things are so, like, unimportant. They just, once you step on the field, once you step on that campus at the collegiate level, that's just a certificate that you got somewhere. I mean, who cares? Because right. it wasn't the coaches that you're going to play for or right. against that gave you those rankings. So, really... What does it matter? And I think, like you said, we, you know, because of the street agent aspect and the social media aspect and everything else, we're so caught up in what is my ranking? What is my metric? And really, unless you have taken the time to surround yourself with people that have actually done it, right. how do you really know what to expect when you get there? And again, it's one thing that, that Coach AJ and I take a lot of pride in is the the kids that we work with the young athletes that we work with are one of our major goals is that when they step on campus mm -hmm. one less thing to worry about because they know what the expectation is going to be they know how to work out and train and develop themselves they know how to eat they know how to take care of themselves when it comes to that aspect they know what is going to be expected by not just the coach but the program and how to stay out of trouble because really if I'm not on the field or I can't come to practice, I'm no longer valuable. Right. So what does that take? And you've seen it far and above. You know, you talk about this a lot. I think it'd be good for you to jump in going into the NFL as a rookie and you're walking in there and everyone's like, oh, here's this kid from Fresno State, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we got this first rounder from Alabama or second rounder, whatever it was. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah. That didn't matter. Yeah, none of like, and you know, I try to preach to the guys that that I train with that that stuff doesn't matter when you get to the pro level, right? Because they care about your film, right? They care about your ability to be healthy, and all the all those metric things are good for college, getting into college. But once you get to the pro level, like I said, coaches aren't coaching you; they're not teaching you anything. At that point, they expect you to know what to do. They expect you to get in, inside of your playbook, learn the plays. You should know what cover three is, right? I don't care if we're calling it buzz or we're calling it something different. You should know what your landmark is. You should know where you should be at. It shouldn't be a question of do I know how to do it or where am I going? It should just be like this is the play. You guys have been playing football your entire life. Go play, right? So when the guys get to that level and then they're still struggling with the X and O's, that's what makes it easy for them to just pull somebody else with that doesn't have the same metrics or the abilities or those numbers to get inside because they have the want to, you know, be a pro at the college level, right? Study your film, know what you're doing. So like I said, when you get to the pro level, you have, you have to do it. Right. Otherwise you lose your job. Right. You, you, you literally, trust me, because as a player, when you're making more than the coaches, they're looking to throw the coach out before they get rid of the players. hundred <laughs> percent of the time. Right. So the coach is going to be on you to be in your book. So he is, his job isn't at risk. Right. Right. And if his job is at risk, the first things he's going to do, is put somebody in that, that wants to know what, to, that knows what they're doing. That's right. going to get the job done. Right. Right. So it's your job to do that. 
everybody else is already, we're already on par with our athletic ability once you get to the pro level. So those kind of things, like I said, like you said, those things get washed out once you get up to that level. Yeah. And then, you know, you look at it from a standpoint of, you know, that, that intellectual side of things of what are you willing to do? It doesn't mean you have to be a genius to do anything really. I mean, to be, I mean, all of us here are not playing anymore. We are all working professionals. And so, you know, it, are, are any of us sitting here challenge, trying to challenge Einstein's theory of relativity? No. But at the same time, we all had a distinct characteristic, and that was nothing was going to stop us from doing the things that we wanted to do. And Coach Bolton over here is sitting here nice and quiet, as he usually does. But when you look at it from a standpoint of not only did he play in college, coach at college, was a head coach at the collegiate level, now he's an athletic director at the collegiate level, He's seen just about everything that you can see from a player development standpoint, from a coach's development standpoint, and really professionalism. And, and what it comes down to is, you know, our, our entire job as coaches or administrators or whatever that, that distinction is, is really about mentoring the younger ones that didn't necessarily have the exposure that we were exposed to once we got to the collegiate level or beyond because Again, I, I didn't have it as a kid, and I don't think anyone here had that same ability to be here or be surrounded by coaches or people that actually care. And so I say all that to say when it comes down to the mentoring aspect of it, it's not just about the metrics. It's, it's not just about your physicality and your ability to play. It's really developing you as a human. And at some point, sports are going to end. At some point, you are going to stop putting on pads, and then who are you? And did we do our job to get you ready for that? And coach, I think you're, you're one of the more experienced ones here as far as watching that, not just as the student athletes, but from the coaches and dealing with the coaches on a daily basis, not as a coach anymore, but as an administrator. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different mindset. And I think, you know, I approach it, I approach it as you are developing the human. Mm -hmm. you, you develop the overall wellness of the person. Um, and so, you know, the one thing that I try to do with our coaches is like they're the experts at coaching their sport. I don't get involved in that. What I get involved with is the structure around them to support them to be better coaches. And so when I see something with a coach, I'll point it out and say, hey, look at it from this aspect, you know, like the mindset aspect. I think everything you guys are saying is true. Is like we've gotten to this world where everybody wants it right now. These athletes, social media, we got these street agents who try to be their all and they just street agents. And that, that's why I call them street agents. They're just guys looking for an opportunity to capitalize on some kid's athletic ability. Um, but they're really not developing the kid as a whole person. Um, and so from the from that aspect, that's what I try to support with all our coaches, our programs is just you got to create a human. You got to help develop that person into a, a all around athlete. And like you were saying, it's like you guys are the experts in how to train them. My job is to make sure that they're in the structure they train and they're doing the other things right, the external things, because no coach or no athletic director wants a kid that's a problem. I think we've over the area where that guy's just a good athlete and we just gonna take him and we gonna, whatever he does, we don't care. No, what he does reflects back on the program. Mm -hmm. So my responsibility as the athletic director is to make sure our coaches and everybody understands that what they do every single day represents us. They don't yep. just represent themselves. They represent them. They represent the college. They represent the program. They represent their family. They represent their community. And so that's where the mentoring, the mentoring aspect comes in. 
Um, and so I think that's kind of my approach now is to see it from a different level because I've done it all. Yeah. Um, but I think it's what you guys are saying is important for people to understand is that it's more than just coming in here and lifting weights. Yep. It's more than going to a seven on seven tournament and catching a football. Right. It's it's a whole nother aspect. I think what AJ said was true is like when you get to that professional level, them guys pay you to be ready. It's time to get there is no more teaching. Either you're right. ready or you're not. And the equalizer is what are you going to do mentally? from the mindset aspect of it, as far as getting yourself mentally and emotionally ready to prepare in the process for playing a game is more important at that level. But I think some where we're failing at, at the lower levels is we're skipping over that because we think that, oh, this, this looks good on TikTok or this looks good on <laughs> Instagram and this looks good on social media. So I'm gonna put that out there. Right. And if you forget about what did it take to do that? Yeah. And that's the aspect I think people need to focus on. What is the process to being successful rather than just I'm successful? Because a yeah. lot of us see Michael Jordan and go, I can do, I, I could be Michael Jordan. No, you can't. Because right. Michael Jordan got suspended. He got cut from his team when he was in the junior high school. You don't, nobody knows that. Right. Nobody knows the hours that LeBron and Kobe and all these professional athletes put in the weight room and put in the mental aspect of it. Right. Going to see these sports psychologists and getting their mindsets ready and all that stuff. Nobody sees that. I think that's where, as coaches, we have to redirect these these younger athletes. It's like get into the mental aspect of the game. Right. Because no matter what they do, it's all mental. We talk about it. It's like 90% of the game is mental anyway. And people yep. like, they say that, but they don't realize it really yeah, is. And yeah. every level you move up, it gets more, it gets more and, and more mental. Because yep. like you said, in high school, you might have been the biggest, strongest guy on the field. You dominated. You go to the next level, there's 22, 30, 40 guys that are biggest, strongest most dominant guys at their high school. Yep. What are you going to do to be different than them? Right. What are you willing to do to be different than the next athlete? Because everybody's training. Right. But what are you going to do differently? So I think we got to, when you look at the whole aspect, the overall aspect of it is we have to look at the whole picture of the athlete, not just the metrics. Yep. This guy runs a fast 40. This guy can bench press this much weight. Like, And as a coach, my thing is I want speed because you can't coach speed. So you can bench press the house. Can you catch the running back to bench press him to the ground? That's my question. Because at the end of the day, you don't make plays. It don't matter how much you, right, you right, squat. Right, right. It's can you get to the guy? Right. And that's, I think, when you look at, you know, and it's relative speed. It's not just right. the guy running no down linear in a 40-yard dash. Is no, that guy put his foot in the ground. He plant, changed direction. You got to go get him. You better go get it. Right. Lateral movement. The lateral movement. It's like all those. Uh, and can you visit? And then when you get to the point of attack, I, I used to talk about this all the way. When you get to the point of attack and tackling, did you blink your eyes? Right. What were you looking at? Where was your foot? Where was your body positioning? Right. Did you have your knees bent? <laughs> Guys don't coach all that stuff. Right. And it's like, dude, that's what makes plays. Right. You know, did you track the football as a receiver? Can you go up and track the ball in the air with a guy draped all over you? Mm -hmm. right. How, are you training those things? Right. Guys are not training that. They just go right. out and throw the football. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's great. Seven on seven drives me crazy. See, you got me on a tangent. It drives <laughs> oh, yeah. me crazy because the quarterback, the quarterback <laughs> awesome. stand back there for five seconds. And if you can't no pass complete rest. pass against the air with nobody in your face, you should not be playing a sport. Right. What happens when you got a 285 defensive lineman breathing down your neck in your face in your throwing window? Can you move your feet, move up, and throw the ball and keep your eyes looking downfield? Are you going to tuck and die? 
Not to mention the other D linemen with their That's hands the, up and the exactly. I'm like, over so the there's top. so many no other aspects. No. Yeah, it's like everybody wants to stand back, and it's like I, I and again, I'm a defensive guy. It's quarterbacks in one on one, they throw the ball down. Oh, everybody's celebrating. That's oh, great, dude. You should one complete one. it. Right. It's right. you and the receiver against the DB. You right. should win 80 percent of the snaps. Right. That's just the way it works. Right. And if you can't, you shouldn't be playing a game. And what should you be working on? But everybody gets all because again, it looks good on TikTok. I ain't gotta beat this. So I'm gonna go do it. So I go on tangents. I, the seven on seven, all this stuff nowadays, it drives me crazy because I think guys are skipping steps. Yep. And then they wonder why, like we were talking about, guys don't get recruited. Well, because you didn't do what it took to get recruited. There's a lot of other things than to just catching a football or squatting or benching or something like that. Right. And so. I think it's important too, you know, while we have both of you here, and, and again, AJ and I will both attest to this that. I think what gets overlooked a lot is is people understanding the different levels, right? So everybody sees the brand names and they they want to be D one, blah 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 D one. I mean, I, I you can ask my wife that. I mean, it it's one of the most frustrating things that I see all the time because that's all anyone is ever focused on is the D one D one. Well, it's D one. Well, it's D one. Yep. Well, you know, what about a D three? What about the junior college route? And I don't think people really truly understand what it means. I think people see, you know, what's sexy on TV. They watch Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, whatever. Now it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, whatever the day is now that they're watching college football and it's so celebrated. And, you know, what people don't understand is they say, oh, well, my kid, my kid's going to Oregon. My kid's going to Alabama. My kid's going to, you know, this D1 school, whatever. And what they don't see behind it, this this entire aspect of the humanistic side of it, and just from the last, what, 10, 15 minutes listening to you two, I'm sending my kid to you first and foremost, because ultimately I need my kid, I want the person that I'm training in here to go somewhere where they're going to be cared about. And that's really what matters is, you know, and AJ and I talk to kids about this all the time that... They're getting recruited by this school and this school and this school. Well, this school's offering me to, you know, possibly come on and walk on, but this school offered me, they, I mean, they're calling me every day. They're offering me a ride, you know, they're going to pay for my education. We're like, well, what are you waiting for? Exactly. I don't understand what you're waiting for. Mm-hmm. Like go. And, and you know, that opportunity slip away by just procrastinating right. and trying right. to wait for the D one or wait for, you know, the big yeah. school to send you off. And then, you know, I'll, yeah, it, it's I, my point to all of this is, People need to educate themselves, specifically the people that you're surrounding yourself with. And, and for you kids out there that are playing football, you can't only depend on your friends and your family or the street person that's in your ear telling you how good you're going to be. You've got to educate yourself. You've got to understand the system and how it works. And the junior college route is such a fan. If I would have known, I broke my ankle my senior year of high school. And I didn't know really anything about the junior college level, what it was and all this kind of thing. I was in Southern California. So I ended up at Cal State Northridge, which I would never take back in a million years. I had a fantastic time in college. And it really, I mean, I wouldn't be here had it not been for that. But at the same time, my freshman year of college, Mount Sac won the national championship. And that's in my backyard. I was in high school in Riverside. Didn't know. I didn't, I wasn't aware. You know, I was, I was one of those kids that was caught up because Cal was calling and Wisconsin was calling and I'm going, Oh, well, that's where I'm going to go. And then I break my ankle and I go, Oh, now what? Now what? And I was at Northridge when they canceled the program. 
So, you know, again, I wouldn't take back now, you know, hindsight being 2020 with the friends that I've had and the experience I had and where I ended up again, wouldn't take it back. But if I could talk to that 17 year old Ryan, I'd be like, Hey man, there's five or six community colleges in your vicinity that are excellent programs that are going to help you grow and become the player you want. And, you know, even from an educational standpoint, I mean, people are just missing that piece coach and they don't really truly understand. And, and one of the things that, that you mentioned, and I, I was just telling someone this the other day, and, and I've said it because I've, I've coached in various states over, over this is year 31 for me, so I've been around. One of the things that I've noticed, and it's really sad, actually, and, and I'm, a, I'm a native Californian, California athletes are more name-driven than they are opportunity-driven. That's a great point. Kids from Florida, kids from Texas, they are opportunity-driven. They could care less whether or not it's a named school. They just want opportunity to go and compete. And so I've found that at various places. I've had, you know, several different logos in my shirt. And the response that players will have with different logos on my shirt, they'll, as you just mentioned, they'll want to hear from the Power Fives than they will the opportunity. Well, Here's the next thing. That's why you got a lot of kids in the transfer portal now, because it's not Correct. all that is cracked up to be. Right. Absolutely. Because of the responsibilities, the expectations at that level, some aren't even prepared for that, obviously, to stay there. And so one of the things that uh, that I'm, you know, I really emphasize um, with our staff is I'm going to teach you not how to get to that level, but how to stay at that level. I've been at that level. I understand the expectations, what's involved in those things. And so really, really impressing, uh, you know, pressing upon them to understand those things. And, and the other thing that I ask all of the young men when they are recruited, I say, you need to ask the coach one thing, basically a one in one A, what are you going to do to develop me both on and off the field? And if they don't have an answer for that, you need to reconsider because I'm going to invest in you when you say, oh, everybody says academics. Everybody says we have a plan for all of those things. And I said, if they don't give you a plan, then you, you need to be cautious about that in making a decision where you're going to go to school. Yep. And so, as you mentioned, I invest and we invest in our young men, um, you know, because I can tell a young man that I've watched certain things on tape. I can specify, and of course, the response is, "You watch that, <laughs> right? Right? You know." Yeah. And so now, you hope to give a young man a different impression of of myself and our and our staff and our program, because we are investing in you. Yeah. And then, two, I just let them know, even if you don't decide to go to the school that I'm at, that I'm I'm going to invest in you long term, because chances are, in some cases, I might be at that school that you that you may decide to go to. Right? You know. But I try to provide them and their families with as much information as I possibly can to make an educated decision as opposed to an emotional decision or a social media decision. Right. And I think there's a big difference with that. And I think, you know, when we when we dive into that, like AJ was talking about with the professional level, you're expected to know. And it, it, some of these schools that are the high level D1s mm -hmm. are very much set up like the professional system. Mm -hmm. So when you get there. You when sure when you get there, you better know absolutely everything that is expected of you. I am not here to babysit you. I, you know, right. if I'm one of those coaches, I am not here to babysit you. I'm not here to teach you how to lift or run or practice or what this route means or what this change of route means or because this coverage change or you have to change your route and then go in motion. 
I don't have time for that. You yeah. better know immediately. You better understand that you're taking a test every game. You better understand that how the travels, how to talk to your professors prior to. I'm not coaching up on all that stuff. You better know. Well, some of them forget, though, <laughs> at that level that the very next year, they're recruiting the other four and five star right. guy right behind yeah, absolutely. you. Absolutely. And years after that. Right. And so you have to stay on point absolutely. because I, I, I tell them this all the time. It was a few years ago when the when Clemson lost their defensive lineman. I can't remember if he got in trouble or whatever before the playoff game. The guy who replaced him was the number two recruit in the country. <laughs> so it wasn't like a big drop off. Right, right. And so some young men don't quite understand that, that, yeah, you might be a four- or five-star guy that year. Best believe they're recruiting the other four- and five-star guy the next year and the next year to replace you right. if you don't do what you're supposed to well, do. Well, I mean, prime example right now in the NFL, just the draft that just happened, we got the young man from Ohio State coming out. Let's not forget, a few years ago, he was a backup at the University of Georgia. Right. No question. He was a backup. Right. No and then question. becomes – who he is now i mean it's just you know people don't get that side of it i don't think they truly understand it because they're not in the trenches right. they you know and we talk about that all the time you know what no matter what sport it is you know we can be talking about professional beach volleyball right the system is the system right. and the talent is the talent and we watched this weekend with dk metcalf going out and to run the 100 meters now mm -hmm. he did fantastic mm -hmm. let's not no he did. I mean, a 1036 no is nothing to shy at, especially as big of a human as he is. Right. So take him back five, 10 years and train him as a hundred meter sprinter. He's probably world class. Right. No. Right. Question. But he came out from football. Now, all of you young guys out there that are, are watching DK Metcalf, please watch his interview after the race and watch how humble the man is and watch how appreciative that he was of being in that race with those other world-class athletes and the respect that he showed. He wasn't out there saying, I am, I am, I am. He was saying, I'm just happy to be here. This was a lot of fun. It was great to see what kind of speed these guys have. And, you know, the the mutual respect that was shown back and forth because uh, I forgot the guy, Gillespie, who won it? Anyway, so anyway, he said, yeah, I mean, I, I watch this guy on Sundays all the time, you know, right. and now they got to meet each other and compete against each other. There's no hard feelings. There's no show me, show me. I'm this, I'm that. It was a, it, at that level, what you need to understand is that it is a mutual respect because everybody's competing. It's not the show me state anymore. You've got to understand those things and you have to be surrounded by people that care yeah. because when it comes down to it, if someone's not invested in you, mm -hmm. good luck. Yeah, just to piggyback off of what you guys are saying, I wanted to ask you guys a question. How important would it be for, I know we were talking about, you know, the athletes being interviewed, you know, and going through that process. Um, but I talked to, you know, some parents that are kind of struggling with trying to decide where to send their kid. And I always tell them, you know, interview the coach, mm -hmm. right? Because when you go to a school, whether it's high school or college, you got to make sure that that coach, that program is going to get the most out of you. Or, you know, if you're a running back who doesn't run the ball well, who's good at, like, has good hands, are they going to send you on floor routes? Are they giving you mm -hmm. angle routes or, you know, screens? Is it that type of thing where they're actually going to utilize your, your skill set? Or are they just trying to force you to be a power back or put you in a position that's not going to, you know, help your skills or your abilities? I think, I think you, you have to interview the coach. We just had kids on campus a couple of weeks ago, and the coach had some players up. And one thing I told them is that you better not only ask the coaches, but ask the players, what's your experience in this program? Because I think that's a big part of it. And I think you're right is, you know, now, again, everybody's so caught up in 
I want to go here because they are winning. You better find out why they're winning and what about what they're doing in their program is making those, getting those players ready for the next step. You know, at our level, we're just the next step. That's all we are. And we know that we're just the next step. We're just an opportunity for you to get to the next step. And like coach said, we're going to do everything um, to show you in our system and in our programs to keep you at the next level when you get to the next level, but you better find out what it is. And I think now, and I'm a, put a plug in for Bakersfield College. I think there's a lot of perception around here is that, oh, Bakersfield College is an extension of high school. And it's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Because there's, there's a lot of talented individuals in this town from other places, in this town, this community that come there that are good at what they do, but you got to be developed, you know? And you can go anywhere. I tell recruits all, you can go anywhere in the state. I'm not saying that other places are not good, but I think we're the best. Because I think we're the best, not because we're just Bakersfield College, because we have people who care right. about developing athletes. No doubt. You know, we have a head football coach who cares about you as a person. We have coaches, we have people in the community who care about you as a people, and they're going to make sure that you're getting all the aspects of being a complete athlete person when you're at Bakersfield College. And so um, I think that's what parents have got to look into. Stop looking at the right now or what's great on social media, who's doing that. It's like, Go and, and, and basically take the time to invest and look into the program mm -hmm. because it's not just the team. The team just plays on Saturday. The program develops the individual. Yep. And I think those things need to be in place. So I think it's an important part of that decision. And I, you tell kids now, it's like you're 18, you're 19, you're coming out of high school right now. You, you, whatever you do the next couple of years with us can determine where you're going to be five years from now. So this is a major decision. I think sometimes people, and again, because they have so many of the wrong people in their ear, they make short-term decisions that affect their long-term decisions. And they don't realize that. So I'm just like, that's, I think that's an important part of it. It's like, you have to interview the people you're going to be around for the next couple of years. Because they're going to determine where you're going to be after you leave this. Yeah. And I want to add to your answer before you answer his, I want to add a, a component to the question. And it was kind of based on both of those is you have a kid coming in that thinks they're a running back or, or they think they're a receiver, whatever they might think they are. They've been told by X, Y, Z that they're this. And if they haven't asked the questions and then they come into the program and you as the expert go, yeah, you were a great high school running back. You've got great speed, but... I see you playing this, or I see you playing this, happened to me. And so if you're not able to hear that, if you're not willing to listen to the experts when they're telling you how you fit their program, you're gonna have a problem mm -hmm. and your career's not gonna last very long. And you think going to the next level after that is gonna be easy, <laughs> man, good luck. Right. So I wanted to add that to the the whole thought process of, you know, when the kids are asking you and, and the interview process and all that. I welcome it and um, and would love the opportunity for parents to ask those questions because I appreciate the fact that they are willing to say that I don't know. I love it because it, at least from that perspective and from ground level, you can then start to, one, develop the relationship, you develop the trust, you develop the dialogue. Um, you know, and, and, and I think obviously as parents, they, 
I mean, let's be honest. They they want to make sure that you're taking care of their son or daughter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what are you going to do to make sure safety and those things? Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I get concerned about, though, as and this this has happened numerous times, where I end up talking to the parent more than I do the player. Mm. And I ask the parent, okay, I've talked to you a dozen times, but I've talked to your son once. Does he really want to play? <laughs> and so I'll throw that at them. Oh, you're right. You know, I said, and I get that you're trying to make sure that everything, the transition and how we're going to treat him, all of the, but does your son really want to play? And so, and it's hard for a parent to hear, you know, but I'm a parent. You want them to be put in a, in a situation, in an environment that they can be successful. So um, I appreciate the dialogue that way because then, I can provide feedback for them and a lot of times for them to have conversations with their son, you know, in this case to see if me as their, them as a parent are investing all this time, this effort, this commitment, and you really don't want to play. Are you kidding me? You right, know? right. Because they're going to, they're going to make the financial investment, you know, in a lot of ways too. And the last thing that a parent wants to see is their son there for a week and then they leave. You know, yeah. Ryan, I want to say something on that. The, and add what Todd said is like, and I'm a parent who, who has athletes. Trust the expert. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest problem we have right now with parents and athletes is they don't trust the experts. They trust mm. everybody that thinks they're an expert. Mm. I mean, when you have people who are credentialed and understand what they're doing, then trust that person. You know, as a coach, you know, we get kids sometimes, like you said, the kid might be a great running back in high school. But then he gets to our level and we go, well, you're not going to be everyone. You don't have the skill set. And we can't develop that in two years. But you could be a great linebacker. Right. You could be a great DB. Because we look at, we're projecting you to the next level. It's right. just not. And I think right. sometimes in high school, what happens is they take the biggest, fastest guy and put him in every position, the most important position. Exactly. Well, you're trying to win games. Yeah. Right. And that's great. But when you get to our level, it's like, no, we're trying to get you ready to get recruited. Right. And so we look at a running back, for example, Okay, you don't have great hands. He's a power guy. We are one back system. He might be a better linebacker. He's got great bit, knee bend. He's got great speed. He's got good enough speed to cover a guy in space. Well, maybe you're a linebacker because the four year coach don't go. You're a linebacker. See, I think we. I think one of the biggest things that got people, the kids nowadays, confused is like everybody's an athlete. It's like no, you're an athlete. You get recruited as an athlete because you're a highly skilled person that could be a receiver or a DB. A linebacker is not an athlete. Now they're calling those kids hybrids. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not going to get recruited. So these, you look at some of these recruiting sites, and you say, "This kid's six foot three, two hundred forty-five pound. We're recruiting him as an athlete." No, you're not. You're recruiting him <laughs> as a tight end or a D or, or an outside linebacker. DN. He's right. not an athlete. Right. A scat back receiver, slot receiver, who's five foot nine, one hundred and something. Yeah, he's an athlete. Right. Got it. Because we can play him at receiver. You can play him at running back. You can play him at DB. You're not recruiting a 6'4", 285-pound defensive lineman, offensive lineman as an athlete. He's an offensive and defensive lineman. Trust the expert. They know. They've seen enough of them. I think parents miss that Mm -hmm. because they'll come in and sell the coach, my kid is the best quarterback that Mm -hmm. you've ever seen. Well, he can't complete passes versus the air, but he's a really good good athlete. Let's try him at tight end. Let's try him at H-back. He's got great hands. He might be a defensive end. He likes he's physical. He runs. Okay, trust the expert. It's just right. like I, somebody. It's funny because Ron and Ryan, your your Bree asked me one time where I'm in here training my son, and she goes, "Do you ever coach your son?" I go, "No," because I don't understand this stuff. <laughs> I'm a dad. 
I send him to the experts and I trust the experts. But I'm going to make sure I investigate and interview the expert and make sure the experts know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. before I send my son over there. Parents have to trust the experts. The problem is with the street agents and everybody in these people's ears is they, well, they become the experts. No, they're not. Yeah. I can't come in here and tell you how to train somebody. I'm not doing that. You're the expert. This is your profession. He's the head football coach. I ain't telling them how to coach my kid. I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing. I think that's where people got to go back to trusting the experts in the field and stop trusting these just average people, seven-on-seven coaches. I'm not, again, the street agents that, (laughs) oh, you got one kid out of 60 you they paid you recruited. That doesn't make that person an expert. This makes that person somebody capitalizing off of somebody else's talent. And I think you're right. I mean, when you look at trusting people, it it, it does come down to trusting the expert, but doing your homework. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm to understand who the expert actually is. Right. Not just the good mouthpiece, but somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. And going into, like you're talking about with the parents, I literally just had this conversation on Friday with one of our athletes and his dad. And his dad is a very caring individual, is really trying to help his son make it to the next level mm-hmm. and all of that. And I said, that is great. It is fantastic that you care that much, that you're, you're investing in your son's potential. But I look at the kid and I go, well, how many times have you reached out? Because when it comes down to it at the collegiate level, I'm not coaching your father. (laughs) Your father is hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. Are you going to be, are you invested in my program? Are you invested in this logo, this helmet sticker, this team, this community, your education, all of these things? Because you know, and they're, oh, well, you know, I've reached out to so-and-so and they haven't gotten back. Okay, but they also get 20,000 emails a day. <laughs> right, reach out again. You know, so I tried to explain it to him. I said, well, what position do you play? He says, linebacker. I said, how many linebackers are on your high school football team? Ten? Okay. So there's ten, but maybe five or six play. Okay, so there's we'll use five as an easy number for these kids to really understand what's going on for a coach. There's five starting linebackers, well, guys that actually get playing time on each team. There's 20 high schools in Bakersfield. Okay, do that math. Right. Right. Okay, that's 100 linebackers. Okay, so that's just Bakersfield. We're not talking about the other part of California or Texas or Florida or Georgia or any other state in these huge United States. Okay, so now does every single program need a linebacker every year? Give or take, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. right. So we've got tens of thousands of linebackers vying for how many spots, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And you're worried about a coach not responding to you. <laughs> and I I tell kids this all the time: you call and you email until you get a no. That you you bug that coach until they finally pick up the phone or respond to your email and say, thank you for your interest, but we don't have room at that position. If you don't hear that, then you set a timer on your phone every Wednesday, let's say at 10 a.m. or 8 a.m. or 6 a.m., I don't know, and you go to work for 30 minutes and you send out emails and you you call, you leave voicemails. If this is what you want, you got to go get it because I promise you when you graduate from college and you don't end up playing in the NFL or wherever, Google's not going to knock on your door and offer you a job. <laughs> right. It's not happening. Right. Well, the same principles apply. 
And AJ would know this, obviously, much better than me. I know even when you talk about free agency, one of the things that you do do is you look on a roster and you see what the, yeah, see what the opportunities are. Yeah. And yeah. So it's just like I, I always, you know, encourage uh, young men to, when they're looking and thinking about maybe a place to walk on or obviously a scholarship opportunity, look how many linebackers they have. Look at their classification. If they got five senior linebackers, it's going to be a pretty good chance that that incoming freshman class is going to increase. If they're dominated by sophomore juniors, they might take one or two. So now, as you just mentioned, that pool becomes very small and very selective, um, you know, in terms of, of who they're going to select. And it's so funny because I hear the parents, well, my son, you know, he's the, he made all city and all district. And I said, so did the other 500 across the country in the same boat. And I've told people before that at, at uh, several other places that I've been, I've been handed a sheet to says, here's the top 15 DBs in the country, go recruit them. Mm. And I can. So they don't quite understand the, the, the scope of things. Right. You know, yes, I have a recruiting area. However, at certain schools, you do have the ability to get the elite. Right. Period. Right. So... I know that sounds harsh oftentimes to parents because they feel like their son is elite and they should. Right. But be realistic. And again, look at opportunities more than be name oriented. Absolutely. And I think those things will really help, you know, to, to help that process. And would you say from a, from an athlete's perspective, what is your advice as far as, you know, being the head coach, obviously you're not going to be the one always getting the emails, right. but my point to that is, what is your advice to that kid that's interested in playing at that level, looking for the opportunity? Right. How many emails do I send? Do, do you just, do I burst and blow up your email until I get a response? Like what, what is that advice there? I, I, ironically, and I, I don't suggest to do this. However, it was very, it was very uh, ingenious in marketing back in the, in the VHS, the VCR days. Seemed like it wasn't very long ago. There was a young man, and you could put the title, obviously, on the outside of the tape. And he put, best DB in the world. So what does that make you do? <laughs> right. Pop it in there to see. <laughs> very ingenious. And I thought, so we do get inundated with emails, but something catchy to where it gets your eye. Mm. And, and that's, you know, and so because a coach is going to, let me see. I'm right. gonna, you know, I'm gonna click this and, yeah. and see what happens. And because so many kids, they, you know, not only is the approach ineffective, but then how they set up their tape. Mm. Now I was equated to have an appetizer for the first two or three plays mm. that I want to actually see the meal, mm. but I want the meal. Mm. If you say you're an athlete, don't show me that you're punting. Right. But you say you're a DB. Really? I mean, so now I got to, the other thing is I look at personally, and I know on, on many staffs that I've been on as well, if you only show two or three clips per game, mm. if I were to watch that entire game, is it only going to be two or three clips that I see of you playing effectively? Mm. We will also look at another young man on your team and we'll watch his tape and see what you do. Mm -hmm. 
to see if you are actually playing or not. So if it's an offensive lineman, for an example, as a tackle, we'll then pull up that ju- that that guard and see what you're doing. Right. To then see if you actually can play. I mean, so there are different things that we do. So, of course, the moral to the story is play hard every single play. Right. <laughs> you know, and have more plays that you're highlighted. It just so happens that you only chose X amount of plays to put on a tape, but there's more to be seen, yeah. and that's what you want. Because I know for offense and the defensive linemen, I mean, how many highlights are they going to put? But most O and D line coaches, they're going to watch a game tape, yeah. and they're going to they're going to look a little bit a little bit different than a you know than a skilled guy. So there are, there are effective ways as as recruits to to put your film together, and then again, as a, from a marketing perspective, you know. Saying something or putting something on there that makes a person want to watch it. I would like, say I would always tell guys, give me your top five, because if right. you can't if you can't hold my attention for five plays, I'm not watching the rest of the tape. So I always tell guys, give me your and like you said, don't give me five. If I'm a defensive lineman, don't give me a, a assisted sack. Give me a sack. Mm. And then, like Coach said, is I'm every coach got their deal. Mine's was effort, effort and speed. It's like if I watch a film. You better be showing me effort on every play. If I see you take a down off, oh, I can't coach effort. I got to look at the things I can't coach, and you got to have those intangibles before you even step on the campus. And then I can work with everything else. So if I'm watching a guy and he takes he he's great one play, and you put that in your first play on your highlight, but then I watch the rest of the plays, you didn't the ball's going the other way and you didn't chase it down, or you just stop and watch it. Oh no, that that kid doesn't have a motor. I can't. I need a motor. I need somebody that I got to pull back, not start up. So there's a lot of things you can do to catch coaches' eyes, you know. And then, I mean, just like you said, it's like call the coach. You know, put on the, hey, I'm the best. That, okay, I'm gonna look at it, mm-hmm. but you better give me something. That, like he said, I better have a great appetizer because I'm not look, I'm not eating a meal after the, if it ain't in the top five, I can't deal. With it. And most coaches don't have the time because you're getting twenty, right, well, that's, thirty. Right. 40 tapes, you know, for per position. Well, now it's, you know, because of huddle and everything else that we have technology-wise, it's so easy to just send you a link now. Right. Yeah, we don't got to send VHS. Right. And I think think that's part of the issue is that when we were all coming up, you you send this VHS and you put an entire game on that. And these kids now are just sending links. And as as a just a person that gets a lot of emails, I can tell you, and my wife will be the first one to tell you, I'm terrible with email. I'm terrible with it because I get so many of them right. and some of them look the exact same. So when I'm scanning to see if there's anything new and it looks the exact same. And then I find out seven hours later that it was actually really important. I go, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know? So, and I, I tell kids all the time, like just being here, just going through a session and working out. Like if you don't hear from me, that doesn't mean I'm ignoring you. Right. right. Just if you want it bad enough, no doubt. show up, you know where the place is or call me until I answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's one of those things, and you know, with the the technology now, it's so easy to overlook an email, and I I just don't think people really understand that human aspect of it. That you're still a human with a life outside of football, and while it is your job, and that that's what you're doing every single day is evaluating and doing all those things, you're still human. I can't look at forty thousand emails a day. I can't. There's not enough hours in the day to watch that much film, and so. When you, when you start understanding the human aspect of it and really appreciating an opportunity, mm-hmm. that's where these kids need to understand that it, that's really what it is. It, it, 
point blank comes down to the opportunity. And no matter how athletic you are, no matter how fast or how strong you are, you still got to be able to play. You still got to come to work. And the questions are not going to get any easier. Right. I mean, really. And right. that's what I don't think people I, understand. I think, um, you know, what kids got to keep in mind is, um, you know, whether it's we're talking about Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Jerry Rice, you know, Deion Sanders, these people, they have something intrinsic inside of them. They're like, well, they're paying attention to the details, right? Doing all the small things, taking care of their body, caring about the X and O's and doing all those things. You have to keep those things in mind. If you want to be like those people, right, you got to knuckle down and do everything, yep. literally everything for yourself. You got to take advantage of the opportunities. Mm -hmm. You got to know how to feed yourself, how to maintain your weight and all those different things because nobody's going to do it for you. Right. Right. Those, those people, they don't, nobody's doing it for them. Right. Right. Everybody talks about Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan was really upset about how his interview was going to do when, you know, over right. the TV, but that's who he was. Right. Right. right? And right. that's who I want on my team. I like, yeah. I want somebody like that to tell me, to get on top of me, to tell me when I'm doing wrong or what, when I'm not giving you all of me, right? That's right. what you want. So I see a lot of kids, they're not, they don't, you know, they just want to, they do a lot of one hand catching, right? I'm going to practice my one hand catches. Yeah, good luck when with you, that. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I see, I see that, and I'm like, that's all fine and dandy that you can do that, but you need to be able to catch it with two hands with somebody right. draped. Right. Not just right. that. I remember in college one time, our coach was real big on the pocket catch, right? If it was below your shoulders, pocket catch. If it's above, you can put your hands up. And it was a third down. I caught the ball, and it was like in that gray area, and I caught it like this. Mm -hmm. I had to roll for 200 yards the next day because I didn't catch it with my hands the way he wanted me to catch it. Mm -hmm. To to talk to your point, it's it's that specific. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, because again, what happens there is nine times out of ten. A you DB better would catch come it through. like that. A good DB yeah, like good AJ would have come behind through. me and oh, knocked yeah. my hand down. That's right. And really it just helps me it. when you – Right, exactly. But you're 100% right. You know, you know, Odell Beckham makes that catch. The next time you see kids out, everybody's practicing one-handed right. catch. I'm like, you can't even catch it with two. Yeah. Right. Catch the ball with two first, and if you have to put one up and you get it, okay. But that's, that's yeah, a that one. shouldn't be time. your first resource. Right. And that's now what right. everybody's doing. It's like <laughs> right. But that was also a necessity for the moment too. Yeah. For the you got moment. a DB on you, right. and it's way yeah. over your head. You couldn't get both hands up. That's a whole other issue. But I, I watch kids practice that. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I never forget. I they was do. watching a kid practice, and I was like, and, and the kid, he was a kid from here in Bakersfield. I walked up to him and go. Dude, you're not going to do that every game. Mm -mm. And they just standing there like, yeah. you may and not I'm like, even you're get not a even chance putting yourself in a season real life. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm like, what are you doing? It's just, yeah. they just, and again, that's what I'm saying. It's like, because they listen, they so enamored with right now. Yeah. And what they see that they think, oh, I got to go out and do that. And it's like, no, you got to go out and catch the ball with two hands. Yeah. Maybe start with catching a tennis ball. Because then now you got to track. It's it's about your eye and tracking the ball. Yeah. They don't even understand. You talk about tracking. I talk to high school and it's sad. I talk to high school coaches. Do you teach your kids how to track track with their eyes? What? Yeah. What Letter is tracking? Right. Like, right. what are you talking? Right. right. The game is played with your eyes, hands, and feet all working together. You better connect them yep. at some point. Absolutely. They don't do it. Nope. And then, and then, but these kids get here and they going to understand why they can't progress to the next level. Yeah. Or why isn't SC walking in my house? Because you didn't do what it took to get them to walk in your house. Yeah. D1 is where you're at. Yeah. So if it's SC or if it's, I don't care if it's BC, it's where you at is what you make of it. Right. And like you said, it goes back to the opportunity. We have too many people looking at the name 
and not taking advantage of the opportunity yeah. to perform and play. And that's what it's got to go back to. And I think going back to the DK Metcalf example, I'm going to push to another receiver here in a second, but it it's taking the opportunity to be humble enough to learn. I think that that's number one. And, and people always talk about, and I just, I know this from personal experience and you know, people talk about Jerry Rice and Jerry Rice is famous for his work ethic, famous for his hill workouts up in the Bay area. But Jerry Rice didn't make that up. Roger Craig right. taught him that, right. but Jerry Rice was smart enough to understand what was in front of him and the greatness in front of him with a Roger Craig. And I'm sure somebody taught Roger at one point, but it's the intelligence to say, wait a second, I'm new here. I need to figure this thing out. Hey, that guy's work yeah. ethic. That's, I, I want to be like that guy. That's, I want to be around that. Mm -hmm. That's intelligence. Mm -hmm. That's true intelligence to see that, chase it, and go after it. And again, it goes back to what you're talking about. Bottom line, it was opportunity. So many guys get caught up in the names where, as you mentioned, there's so many great players um, over the years that maybe not garnered the attention, mm. obviously, of a, uh, of a, I mean, Roger Craig, when you think about it, yeah, he was a top-notch guy, but he wasn't at the top per se of the heat, but then, you know, Jerry Rice was very intelligent in, in observing in the fact that, you know what, I like this work ethic, you know, and I mean, but I, I always laugh and I tell our players, I don't like the guys who put up the camera and they talk about grinding and I'm in the lab and all this <laughs> because your work is going to show that. Right. You right. don't need to show and tell people right. what you do. Right. And so how many people, and you could, you know, AJ, you made me think of this. When you look at the top athlete of every sport, how many of them are showing off what they do? Hardly any of them. Really. Because you hear the stories of a Kobe Bryant going and working out after returning home from a game and shooting X amount of shots. You hear of a Tiger Woods out on a golf course at night playing in the rain, practicing, you hear of all of these different people in their various sports to to get that work ethic. Well, how many people coming up want to do that? They want to talk about doing it because then they want to glamorize doing it. But do they really sincerely want to right. put the work in? And obviously with this facility, being able to do some extra, you know, being able to learn more about how can I take care of my body? What are some of the things I can do in the quote-unquote off-season? How then to prepare myself, um, you know, for the fall? You know, they rather just put it on, and it becomes cliches. Right. It becomes hashtags. It becomes all of that. And I'm like thinking, you're not really working. Right. So, the, you know, it, it it's like we tell them, you want to be A or B students sitting next to A or B people in class. Learn from them. Mm -hmm. Not the guys in the back that show up late and leave early unprepared. Right. You know, and so surround yourself with people who are, are going in the direction in which you want to go. And, and oftentimes, those aren't the glamour people. Yeah. Those aren't the people with the big names or the, you know, but there's a reason why a, a Michael Stewart will survive you know, 10 years in the NFL in a, drafted in the eighth round out of Fresno State. There's a reason. Yep. There's a reason. There's a reason why an Everson Walls in the 12th round from Grambling will survive in the league. So 
but those aren't your household names, so to speak. And and I think there's a lot to be said and learned from, you know, from guys like that as well. Absolutely. That's a great ending to it right there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think much more needs to be said as, <laughs> as, uh, as art would say. And art, good luck out there, man. We know you're out there playing and you can't be here right now, but keep up the hard work. But as you would say, that was bars and that was it right there. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. It was a pleasure having the special guest that we will definitely have back on the show. Let's get back to work. Yep, back to it.